Good morning, church. How are you guys doing this morning, huh? Yeah. How about it? So uh, if you don't know me, my name is Mark Lorup. I'm one of the elders here at The Edge. And, um, and so what we're doing right now is we're continuing our journey through Hebrews. And, uh, and this week is kind of our, our, our third week in a row where we're really taking a, a deeper dive into faith and what that means for us. Uh, and so uh, Neil Shore is going to be bringing the word for us this morning. So super excited about that. Yeah, Neil's one of the teaching pastors. We've got many people who teach uh, here at The Edge, and I think that's one of the amazing things about our church is it's just not one or two people. It's many people are gifted to teach in the name of the Lord, and we, uh, we celebrate those gifts, right? Um, so what I'd like to do is just uh, pray uh, right now for us just to receive what God has uh, for us to receive right here in this moment, right here today, because it's no mistake that we're all here right now. So God, I thank you. Man, I thank you for the work that you've begun in each one of the hearts here. Uh, and, and God, for there's, if there's someone here that is teetering on their belief with God or, or, or against you, that, that you make your, your will, your spirit known to them, that they would know you. Uh, and, and I thank you that we are here today to be unified and how in the calling that you have for our church and each one of us in the role that it is right now, right here. God, we receive the words. God, I thank you for that. You're going to reveal to us the next step and what it means yeah. to be faith, be full of faith and to be faithful. So, God, we receive these things, not because it's for us. It's for the people around us, God. It's for it's for saving those that are around us and giving the good word, the gospel to those people as well. And God, I thank you that you love us no matter who we are, our circumstances, what we've done, and we can be in that place of eternal, relentless, forever lasting love of God the Father. I thank you in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Good morning. Oh, you don't need this. No, I don't need that. I hope. All right. We'll see. We'll, see well, good morning, guys. Boy, it's hard to see. I kind of forget after a few weeks of not being up here that it's, it's really challenging. Sometimes you, you guys might think, man, he's really looking at me. He's li- I'm not, I promise. I can like really not see faces. That's just the Holy Spirit convicting you for the evil in your hearts. I'm just, I'm just playing, guys. I just thought I'd start it off kind of chill. I welcome you guys in with some shame. Sound good? Just for you. Just for you, Jeremy. Um, well, we are excited to continue in, in our series, uh, Jesus is Best. Um, here's the thing, guys. We can't really hear this enough because our hearts are kind of, our, our hearts have a tendency to, to go astray, don't they? So we need to talk about this a whole lot until it really sinks in and it takes root and, and, and something happens by the power of the Holy Spirit that's greater than we are. Um, I don't know about you, but when I read the, these, these passages, particularly on faith, I have a little thing inside me that says, you could never be like that. Anybody else? Anybody else kind of hear that? That's maybe the first voice they hear. Here's the thing. This is one of the most famous passages uh, in all of Scripture, and it's called like the Hall of Faith, or we talk about the heroes of the faith. And I just want to share a couple of things before we get started about that, because I know that, that when we read about people that had so much faith and they did so many great things, if you're at all like me, you have a tendency to say, well, I guess I don't really measure up to what God wants for me or from me. And maybe you're, maybe, you're like that, uh, maybe you're like that today, that you just sort of struggle with feeling like you're good enough. 
As we read this, I want to I, I encourage you to keep a couple of things in mind. And the first thing is that, that even though this, this concept of faith very much applies to us, we always have to keep in mind the original audience. The original audience was not uh, the Fox Valley area Christians, the top 1% uh, financially in the world. It wasn't us at all. It was Jewish converts to Christianity, and they were undergoing a whole lot of stress and pain, and they were tempted to turn back from their faith. And, and the author of Hebrews is saying, I know that it's hard. I know what you're going through is difficult, but I want to encourage you to continue on because nothing behind is is worthwhile. Nothing behind is worth it. As a matter of fact, the only thing worthwhile is ahead of you. So keep walking the course with Jesus because Jesus is better. So I want to say this to you guys. I know that, that, that we, we, it, we can sort of feel like uh, we don't have, we just have first world problems here, right? But we still have problems. And, and I don't ever want to make anyone feel like, like their issues aren't real issues because we don't live in Haiti, we don't live in the third world, or we don't live in, in the first century where there was this, this incredible persecution. The, the reality is we all have lives and we all have difficulties. Jesus said we would have problems in this life. So I am not here to diminish your issues I'm just giving you a comparison to understand that, that we were not the original audience. But somehow, through God's mysterious ways, the way he, he created us and the way he created life to work, we are also spoken to by the Holy Spirit in this story to the unique issues that we have today. So I don't know about you, but I need to hear about how to keep going. Anybody else? Am I the only one that needs, that needs encouragement to keep going? If it, guys, I'll be honest with you. This week has probably stressed me more than about any week in my whole life. And today I just said, Lord, I am so, so weak, and I just need you to speak through me. And here's what I have confidence that he's going to do. When I show up, when I show up and I just, and I just submit, he's going to use me more powerfully than he would ever use me when I feel like I'm strong. So here's the good news. The Holy Spirit's going to speak to you today because I am really really weak. Okay, is that all right? But I'm going to ask you to pray for me while I, while I preach. Will you do that for me? That would be awesome. Okay, so that's the first thing. The second thing is, it's, and I've already spoken to it a little bit, it's easy for us to read this long list of accomplishments and feel like we aren't good enough. Like you read about all these exploits of the faith and you feel like you must not have that extra gear of spiritual juju that they had. And it's just not the case. Maybe the answer is that we need to think about ourselves less often. And we need to put Jesus right on the throne where he's always belonged from the, the creation of the earth to today and all into eternity. He's the, he's the center of this whole story that we're in. So think of yourself less. Even though we're talking about your faith, we're going to see why we can think about ourselves less. So today, I just want to pray and ask God for um, just fresh insight into this passage. And there's a bug crawling on these notes. That was weird. Um, it wasn't a spider, so I don't have to burn the building down. Thank you. One time there was a, a little bit of a tangent. I and mean, when I say a little bit, I mean entirely. Um, so one time I was in Haiti, and uh, there was a spider on our wall, and it was hand-sized. I don't do well with spiders that are pinky-sized. 
This was a huge spider. And in Haiti, they don't have all the restrictions on the kind of, of like insect killers that we have here. So this was a lead-based spray. And we all know that lead is not good for you. You can get cancer from lead. And I'm like, spray the whole freaking can. <laughs> spray it all, and we'll deal with the consequences later. So we sprayed the spider for about 30 straight seconds. It, it flexed a couple of its eight legs at us. It mocked us uh, terribly. And then it finally fell off the wall, and I thought it was over until it split wide open and hundreds of babies ran in every direction. <laughs> Let us pray. <laughs> Who's ready for Haiti in a few weeks? Father, we, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for life. And we pray, God, that you would help us to get every single thing that you have for us today from your word with no shame, no fear. Help us to just step knowing that you will meet us there, that when we take that next step, you meet us there. God, and when we, when we fall, when we fail, you don't hold us down and make us grovel as if we can do something to get back to you, but you've made a way for that too. You've provided for that. So we just confess to you, God, that we have failed this week. And we just thank you that you give us a, a clean slate today. Your, your mercies are new every morning. We receive that today. We receive that today. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And the church said, amen. Let's read. It says, uh, verses 23 through 40, uh, by faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the application of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land, but when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. What more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, or about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment, and they were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskin and goatskin, destitute, persecuted, mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. 
These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. It's kind of overwhelming, and some of you are like, um, I was just baptized in May, and I'm reading about people being sawn in two. Maybe someone should have told me about that first. Let me just be real honest with you. There are a lot of Christians all over the world that are being persecuted all the way to death. This is not an easy faith. If someone talked to you about Christianity being some easy faith, that there's no expectation uh, 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 that God has for you once you say yes to, yes to him, or that somehow your, your best life is going to happen right after you say yes to Jesus, and there no, there no longer will be any issues, you've been sold the wrong faith. But here's the thing, we will have trials, we will have trouble in this world, but Jesus said, I have overcome the world, and he also said he'd be with us the whole way. So let's just, whatever persecution, whatever trials, whatever tribulations come, can we just say, God, you've placed us in this world, and no matter what happens, I'd rather face all those things with you than have a a fleeting life of pleasure and be separated from you for eternity. Can we agree to that? Yes, okay, that's a good start. This is a good start for us. Nine times in this passage, we read, by faith. And we hear about these great things that these heroes did. But what I want to do now is talk a little bit about their less than perfect days. Guys, do you ever get social media envy? Yes, yes, I think we all do. Listen, do you ever put up your worst day on Instagram? No, always Okay, there's always someone who goes against the grain. That's good. That's good in this case. Here's the thing. Most of us on social media, we put up our best day. We put up our nicest clothes. We, we take a picture in front of someone else's BMW. You know, we do things to make ourselves look better than we are, more successful than we are, smarter than we are. We do an angle that makes us look thinner than we are. We do all these things because we want people to think that we have this great, great life, don't we? We do so many, we do so, so many things to, to look a certain way. And when we, are, when we are in these passages we can start to think that their best days are better than our best days, and it's just not the case. They had bad days just like we did. And, and here's the beautiful thing about Scripture. What God does in the Bible is he doesn't hide their bad days. We hide our bad days because we feel like the people around us won't value us if, if they know what we struggle with, what we're like behind closed doors the things that we did last night. But God says, no, I'm going to reveal all of those things so that you can see the reality of humanity and the desperate need that all people have for God. Isn't that powerful? That's a huge re- that, that, that was a huge reason when I first started looking at Scripture to, to, to see if I believed that it was true. I don't believe for one second that God, if, 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 if God didn't write this, it would have been this whitewashed picture of everybody floating on clouds and playing harps. But no, God put the, the dirty things in the story, the failures in the story, the prostitutes named Rahab in the story, uh, all the things that Moses did wrong, Samson did wrong, and we're going to talk about some of those things so that we can see that Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith. It's nothing we can do. So Moses, what do, we know? what do we know Moses for? We know him for leading the greatest exodus in human history. 
as he took the Jews out of Egyptian slavery. But he was more than that, wasn't he? He did more than that. He did other good things, and he did other really, really bad things too. Some of us say that, that if we had had an experience with God like Moses, that, that we wouldn't have any fear, we wouldn't have any doubts, we would just do what God wanted us to do because he told us, like he, we, he heard the voice of God multiple times, like the, the actual voice of God. And, and, and for us, we're like, hey, if God would just reveal himself more to us, then we wouldn't have any doubt, we wouldn't have any fear. But when you look at scripture, you see that no matter what God says, no matter how he reveals himself, people are people. And we will find any way possible to get out of doing what God asked us to do. Moses did just that. What did uh, Moses do when God came to him and told him the plan? He, he was afraid, he was doubtful, he was argumentative. Just like us. Can you imagine how frustrating humans must be to the Lord and how much patience he has? You can know how much he is for us because we're still here. And the cross. He is for us. Moses was raised in privilege, but he chose to identify with the Jewish people. And what that meant was he, he was a Jew. His mom floated him down the, the, the river, and, and what happened? Pharaoh's daughter got him and, and took him into the house and, and, and into the Pharaoh's kingdom, and um, he had all these privileges, but one day he saw one of his fellow uh, Jews being mistreated, and he lost his temper so badly that he killed the Egyptian. And he didn't just do that, because usually when we do something really bad, we cover it up, and he literally covered up the body of the Egyptian. He buried him in the sand. And it bought him just enough time to escape the country. So he was on the run and he made it out into the country where he could live, but always kind of in fear of, of being caught. And that lasted for 40 years. When we do wrong, there are consequences to our actions. For 40 years, he lived in fear and in relative obscurity as a shepherd. Then one day he saw something strange, something we don't see. He saw a bush that was on fire, but it wasn't being consumed. And then he heard the voice of God, and God gave him instructions about what he was going to do. That'll kind of grab your attention. God told him what he was going to do, how he was going to deliver his people, and that he was going to use Moses to do it. Do you think that, do you think you'd listen to God more? Do you think you would have done better than Moses? No. I think when you face the reality of the question, you realize that you're frail just like he was. Do you think, do you think you would? I don't think so. But God still chooses to use us because his ways aren't our ways. His path is really strange. And he asks us to do things that don't make any sense, like go and speak to people in positions of power who have authority to kill us. It's like, God, have you met Pharaoh? You want me to go do that? God says, yes, you, I'll be with you. And Moses says all these other things. Well, not a very good speaker. God's like, who gave you your mouth? Okay, that's true. Okay, so uh, how are they going to believe that I have authority? Tell them that I am sent you. Wait, <laughs> time out. So you want me to go to the most powerful person in the world and say that I am sent me? 
God's like, yeah, that's what I said, and I'll be with you. Now, wait a second. What if, what if those people, what if my people, they don't believe that I have this authority? And, and God just met him in every single place. He met him in his insecurities and his doubt and his fears, each one. And God's like, I, I'm going to overcome your objections. And oh, I, okay, if you can't speak, I'll use your brother. And you're going to speak, you're going to speak to him and you're going to be like God to him. Just like I'm speaking to you, you're going to speak to him and he and he will speak um, and you will get freedom. He gave all sorts of excuses. I'm a nobody, God, pick someone else. How many times have you felt like that in your life? How presumptuous to think, I'm here, everybody, I'm here to deliver, I'm here to deliver all of you from Egyptian slavery. Ugh, this is scary. So sometimes the God of the universe showing up in a burning bush isn't enough to take away all of your fear and all of your doubts and all of the arguments that you have for why this isn't a good plan. So I want you to tell me again why your trust and your faith in God is not enough for you to be used. You're sitting here and you have those same doubts. You have those same fears. You have those same arguments for God. Yet you still sense that there's something that he's called you to do that is bigger than you to impact the world in a powerful way. And you think, no, I've got, I don't have enough faith, God. And he's like, look at Moses. He was a total screw-up who tried to get out of every single thing that, that I asked him to do. So tell me again why your faith isn't enough to be used. This should encourage all of us, guys. Every single one of you here has had doubts and fears and you've argued with God. And he says, Any, even so, I want to use you powerfully to change this world. Moses was a murderer, but God wanted to use him. Tell me what you've done that disqualifies you from being used by God. It wasn't just men who were commended in this passage. Rahab and, of course, her uh, job title is attached to the passage. It, it, how embarrassing, right? Rahab the prostitute. It's like, oh, can we not? She's like, can we just say Rahab now or, or maybe Julie? <laughs> so we have Rahab. Now, she was a truly upstanding woman from Jericho involved in much charitable work. No, that was Princess Di, sorry. Rahab was known solely as a pagan prostitute who sinned and was sinned against by lust-filled men. But in a moment that we can only describe as divinely inspired, she gave shelter to the spies of Israel that were there scoping it out as they sought to overthrow Rahab's government. She risked Everything because in a moment she saw something beyond that kingdom, beyond her life, beyond this life. And she said, yes, I will risk everything for the sake of the God that you guys serve. What a huge risk. She was broken and hardened by sin, but there was still something in her that could say yes. It was a spark of faith. And she sheltered them and she was smart enough to say, and in return, I'm just asking that you would give my household protection. So when they came in, they saw the scarlet red cord, which of course symbolizes what? It symbolizes the blood of Christ. It, 
she was passed over and she was protected. And she was, I believe, um, she was in the line of David. I think she was the, like the great, great, great grandmother. But God saw fit to put this very, very broken, normal human in the line of Jesus. So tell me why you have to be a perfectly faith-filled superhero in order to accomplish the things that God wants to accomplish in you. To be loved by God, to be used by God, to be honored by God. No, you just have to be a person who says yes, even though you failed. I want to talk about a few things that we can learn about biblical faith as we study these flawed people in chapter 11. Here's the first thing. God loves you just as you are. God loves you just as you are. You might say, well, what on earth does that have to do with faith? It has absolutely nothing to do with faith. As a matter of fact, if you never come to faith in God, he will still love you. His love is not dependent on any decision that you make. It's not dependent on your moral character. It's not dependent on you turning to him. It is just in his character to love you and pursue you your whole life. 1 Timothy 2.4, Paul makes it clear that it's God's desire that all of us would come to the knowledge of the truth and be saved. All of us. John 3.16 speaks to the reality of God, that God's love is active. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And God doesn't just love those who choose him. He loves everyone in hope that they will choose him. Romans 5.8, it says that, that Jesus died for us while we were still sinners. Why does Paul state it that way? I believe wholeheartedly it's to show us that we didn't do anything to make God love us. He just loves us. And he wants to be with us. It's not because of how good you are, which is great. It also means it's not because of how bad you've been. Such good news. He just loves us. Here's the next thing. Your worst days don't define you. Your worst days don't, don't define you. We, we all have bad days. Uh, I, I, remember, I remember I went to a, a conference one time at Willow Creek. I think it was, I don't, I don't think it was the Leadership Summit. It was probably about 10 years ago. I went to this conference, and um, I remember this, this guy got up to speak, and, and I, I thought this was going to be this amazing moment. He gets up to speak, and he says, hey, guys, before I begin, you know, I'm, gonna do, I'm teaching this breakout session, and, but I really just have something on my heart that I need to confess. And you could just feel weight. There was something weighty that was happening. And we all kind of like held our breath and looked like, what is, what's he going to confess? Because he looked really broken up by it. And, and he looks at us, and he start, looks, his eyes are a little watery, and we're like, what is he going to say? And he goes, guys, sometimes I'm not very nice to my family. And I was like, can I get my money back? <laughs> that was the crappiest confession I have ever heard. I just want to be like, uh, Monday, <laughs> Tuesday. Wednesday, 
You get what I'm saying? I thought, you've got to be kidding me. There was this moment that I thought he was going to say something that, that was honest and real and raw. And he said, sometimes I'm not very nice to my family. It's like, well, sometimes I wake up. You know, it's like, to me, that was the equivalent confession. And I just want to say this. We all have bad days, right? We all struggle with saying the wrong things. We, we, I'm not talking about this. When we say that we're not defined by our worst days, I'm not talking about that sometimes you're not as nice to your family as you should be. That's called being a human. What I'm talking about is those dark nights, those catastrophic decisions that you all have made, we've all made. We've done something that has threatened to torpedo our lives. Maybe we did torpedo our lives, and now we're picking up the, 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 the leftovers of it, the remnants of it, and we wonder, could God still love us even though we did all of these things? And the answer is yes. Your worst days don't define you. I want you to think about this because it's hard to believe. Moses' worst day didn't define him. God did. Rahab's saddest moments didn't define her. Samson's murder-suicide didn't define him. And they don't define you either. Let's just be real. If you went out last night and you got trashed, that doesn't define you. God has something bigger for you. If you are filled with anger and defiance and doubt, God sees the day that you'll be walking with him full of peace and faith. If you're struggling with substance, God sees you healed and helping to deliver addicts from the darkness with the help of the Holy Spirit. Peter had days of denial, but that did not define him. What defined him was the Lord who saw him through and restored him with his love full of purpose and faith. Here's the last point today, and I believe it's the most significant one. Jesus is the hero of Hebrews 11. It's easy to idolize these people and, and say, I want to be just like, I want to be just like Moses. Well, do you want to be just like him? I want to be just like Rahab. Well, mostly. I want to be just like Samson, except for the whole pillars falling down on me and dying. Yeah, I don't want that. But I want parts of who he was. And it's okay to look at those things and say, I want to have faith that causes me to do things that God wants to write about. That's a beautiful thing. But it's also really, really important to recognize that, that their low moments, they, that was also them. But those things didn't define them. God defined them. And he had purpose for them, and he has purpose for you too. Let's not get off-centered and overly honor people. Let's not do that. It's not good for pastors. It's not good for leaders. It's not good for anyone to have too much honor. We don't do well when we get too much honor. We get off-centered and we, we make people our idols and people can never hold that weight of glory. Only God can. Let's look through and see the author of all lives and all faith instead. I think it's no accident that in Hebrews 12, the author says that Jesus is the author and perfecter 
of our faith. Interesting that that, that that would come right after Hebrews 11 where we hear about all these faith exploits, these heroes of the faith. I think the author knew that we would want to honor people and become like people instead of seeing that Jesus is the central figure of the whole story. He's the one that we need to become like. Not like Moses, not like Samson, not like Rahab. We want to become the people that God has created us to be, the best version of us that we can be. So where are you with your faith today? Where are you with your faith today? No matter what, you will make a choice depending on the posture of your heart today. But the direction of your heart can be changed depending on how you view yourself and how you view God. If you view view yourself as a hero, look out, you're going to fall soon. If you view view yourself as a failure, look out because God's going to lift you up. How do you view God? Do you view him as the one who loves you no matter what? And that you can be confident because he is good, not because of any good in you? Or are you trying to carry too much of the weight of shame? How do you view God? Jesus told a story to those who were really confident in how good they were. Um, Typically in scripture, Jesus used the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, as his examples of what not to do. But the reality is we are often like the Pharisees, aren't we? They're easy targets for us, but guess what, guys? That's us. We're the religious people. Luke 18, verses 10 through 14, Jesus Jesus told this story. He said, To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Pharisees were honored and tax collectors were like the worst of sinners of the day. Maybe today, too. (laughs) The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people. (laughs) Robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. In other words, God, I am awesome. I'm so glad that I'm not a bad person like him. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He, he, didn't, he didn't even feel like he could come close. He wouldn't even look up to heaven, but beat his chest and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. I'm going to invite the band to to come up as we get ready to close. Our temptation when we read about these people is to make faith an idol or to make other people an idol. And, And the message of this passage is don't do that. Allow the people, allow the people in Hebrews 11 to direct you to one obsession And that obsession is Jesus Christ, Lord of everything. The author of your life and the author of your faith. 
The Bible says in Romans 10 verse 9 that if we declare with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. So I want to invite all of you to stand up. I want to declare this over our community because we are a community of faith. And we believe what the Bible says. Our community stands in Scripture. We try to be faithful to Scripture as much as possible. Because we don't have anything superb to say to you. We just have what God has to say through us. And that will be life-changing if you will allow it to be. Father, today we stand together and we declare with one voice that Jesus is Lord. Lord over everything. God, Lord over our bad choices and Lord over our good choices. And Lord, we thank you that our faith is not about us, but it's about you. You're the author and perfecter of it. And Lord, your word says that we just have to have a faith that's the, the size of a mustard seed, the tiniest seed around. And that if we just say yes to you, you will make things flourish in us in a way that we could never do on our own. God, we give thanks that you do the work. We just say yes. I thank you for this community of faith. God, we are imperfect. We make bad choices every day, yet we are not defined by them. God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for him. And with one voice, God, we say amen. And we pray that you would use us this week more than ever before.